Summit in Miami, Florida, the CORE presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Mike Wood and J.J. Mazzo. Today's topic, creating your own inventory and becoming the solution. All right, let's talk about the housing market. Just so everyone is aware, some of you may be, some of you may not be, there is a slight change occurring in certain markets. My market in particular, and I know this because I list a lot of homes, are, are getting less, significantly less showings. We have significantly less homes coming onto the market because I pay attention on a weekly basis on what's coming on the market, how fast it's moving, um, and I watch the showings from showing time. I'm listening to the feedback, and what I am noticing, <clears throat> and, and you may not be in your market, I am noticing less people willing to put their homes on the market, and buyers getting a little fearful, <clears throat> whether it's interest rates, whether it's an overall uh, economic downturn, uh, fear of recession, whatever that may be. The net result is I've got a lot of agents on my side of the business, and I've got a lot of lenders on your side of the business. Raise your hand if you're a lender in this room, please. There we go. Call That's what I thought. <laughs> I love lenders. Um, <clears throat> it's a truthful statement. Um, but I have really good relationships with a few of them, and, and they protect me, and I protect them. We can get into that later on. Um, but here's what's happening is, is there are less transactions that are happening. So my market share is still the same, but I'm going from 25 to 27 transactions a month down to 16 to 19 transactions a month. And typically what I would do is just really freak out <clears throat> and say, oh my gosh, my numbers are going down. The overall market is in a pullback stage. And if any of you have ever had a doughboy pool and you've had to drain it and your parents made you stick one end of the hose in to the pool and then suck on the other end, you realize that there's a moment in time where you need to move your mouth. <laughs> because if you don't, you get a mouthful of chlorinated water. And I, I think that's what we're in right now. This is simply my hypothecation, and that is everything will be fine. We have to protect our market share. That's all we have to do. So we're going to have to work a little bit harder. We're going to have to provide a little bit more value. And it is okay to put a little bit of fear in some of the conversations that the lenders have with the real estate agents and that the real estate agents have with the general public. Because at the end of the day, it's not my decision to tell you to buy or sell a home, but it is in our best interest for me to keep you informed as to what the market may do and how that change or effect may affect you and your wealth or your equity. Fair enough? Fair enough. So you guys came to a class on how to get your own inventory. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to spark it up. We're going to give you on the lender side some tactics to take back to your real estate agents to say, hey, here are some ideas, here are some tactics that you guys can do so you'll bring value to them. And on the real estate side, the, the goal for us is for you to say, hey, I get it. Market's changing a little bit. No worry, no concern. I got to bump up the hours, five, 10 a week. Everything will be fine. Cool? Yep, 100%. So um, real quick. First off, I'm super stoked to be here with Mike. I don't know how many of you guys work with real estate agents that close 20 transactions a month. Raise your hand if you got those agents. Cool. How many of your agents wish they closed 20 deals a month? <laughs> there we go. So the value in having a rock star like him was such a great business. And I've had the opportunity to coach with him before. And he does have his lenders back because I almost totally got my 
kicked by a realtor in the class, and he protected me from her. It was amazing. So I'm really, really excited. Really, it comes down to, do we have an inventory issue or do we have a market share issue? 100%. You know, there's a very few select people that don't have enough. But in my market, we, we've had low inventory for 10 years. 10-year low inventory. And that's just because there's only so much land to build. There's only so much ocean. There's a lot of protected space, marine base, and stuff like that. So when I see that there's 1,300 listings for sale and I'm closing 25, 30 loans, like, is it really, like, for me, an inventory problem? And the answer is no. Is it for my agents? Really, it's not. And I was talking to one of my agents. She's like, but in Forrester Ranch, there's just these three houses for sale. I said, well, you know what? I have something that'll help you. She's like, what? I said, well, you probably want to look outside Forrester Ranch. <laughs> so she's like, that's a really good idea. And I was like, so sometimes this is the audience that we're tending to. The, the topic originally, sorry, buddy. So the topic. Perspective, right? That's all about That's my audience, not your realtors, my realtors. So really, when we're, took, when we're looking at like what we can do to solve the problem, it's really simple, but it's not easy. And it's one word. What's the word? Work. It's just work. When we start thinking and, and start sharing some of these tactics, like, this was a lunch and learn series that I would, uh, listen, we're going to probably be not as much in an inventory issue in six to eight months. True story? True. And then your listing agents are going to become what? That who do we love? That's right, baby. So that's the whole point to this. I set up a lunch and learn for the entire 12 months. It's a lunch and learn, a 12-part series about how to create your own inventory. And it will help you guys pack a room. So I, I, for me, it's going to be from the angle of how to use this to make you guys more money and get more leads. And from him, it's the expert on it's, hey, one of the top realtors closes 20 transactions a month, verified all this stuff. And that's where you're getting the information, right? Because when we stand up and say, I know, they're like stupid lender. But when we say that he knows and I'm just sharing the information, they're like, wow, we should really listen. Fair enough? Cool. Like I, like I'm the one they're looking to. Like did Mike, say it's okay. <laughs> Only time in my life. <laughs> so you Here's know. Mike closes 20 deals a month. Okay, then Mike knows. That's the way it's going to be. Like, that's perfect. Wish my wife would take that to account. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Where do we want to start? Well, I don't know. You want to start at the the basics? Yeah, let's start at the basics. With... I'm going to start with the number one tactic. Can I share this tactic? Remember, this is the one. If you guys don't take anything else, I shared this with the realtor partners. Everyone, take out their cell phones, please. And when we're looking at part one is sphere of influence, okay? And I have this realtor come up, and she, he, she's like, hey, can we co-market this apartment building and drop some mailers in it and stuff? I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. You know they're all renting. That's actually not a bad idea. Um, and maybe some of them probably can't get a house yet, so it's going to be easier for me to put them in, you know, it, harder for me to put them in loans, but they're going to be less shoppers. But I said, before we do that, let's do this. So everyone open their contacts, scroll to the bottom, Scroll to the very bottom. It should tell you your total number of contacts at the bottom. And this is the mindset change. I truly believe the realtors are the solution to the inventory problem. They are always the solution. We're lead generators, but they're really lead generators. If they don't generate leads, we don't get leads, in which case we're the lead converters. 6,500 contacts. What do you have, Gavin? 2,000. Brian? 2,250. Anyone over 5,000? Anyone over, everyone, who's over a thousand? Pretty much the whole room. So, let's take off 20% of those people. We're gonna take off 20%, we're gonna shelf them. All the ex-girlfriends, the people that you offended, uh, the people that don't like you and you know they're in there, but you're gonna use them for some reason or another, so there's 20% off the top. How many of those people either own a home or are renting? 
A hundred percent. And what is your, who's your client? All of them. Okay. So these are all people in the phone that either know you, like you, and trust you, which is a large percentage. They more than likely know you, and maybe you have to build that trust back, and they all have jobs with potential repeat referrals. True story. Especially for realtors and building their VIP business. Right. So I really want you guys to use this tactic because it blows their mind. And trying, you know, she said it on stage today uh, when she was talking about uh, database, which is being more specific. And I got to give credit to Brian Shuto on this. Specific is like when you start dealing too specific, like if I say, how many people in this room are hungry and, or thirsty? You're going to be, it just depends. I don't know how much you ate. Are you thirsty? When did you eat? When did you drink? Right now, I could probably guess everyone's full and not thirsty. But everyone in the room drinks and eats, correct? Correct. So if I were in the food and beverage service, you would all be my clients. So I think trying to find out who really wants to buy and who really wants to sell, that's just very complicated. I just want to know, hey, who is someone that you really care about that currently renting? Who's someone you really care about that owns a home? And picking up the phone and talking to them makes a big difference. It's the fear of making the calls. Would you agree? Uh, it's the fear of what do I say to these people when I'm calling. Right. Or the fear that I, they know I'm calling them because I want, some, I want something from them, so I'm not going to make that call at all. Rather than, and this is the mindset, the mindset is, is COVID was perfect because people simply wanted connection. So that worked out great. But now it is, if I don't call, I provide absolutely, I have no chance of value at all. But... And this is the, the greatest thing about the calls, is reconnecting that, that relationship, having a conversation, and it doesn't have to follow a Ford script. It can be as easy as, and this is my favorite question, is what's your big, biggest struggle right now? And with that connection, that pain comes out. And that's, that's where you deepen the relationship, and, and that's the money of the call. The call isn't, JJ, it's Mike. I sell real estate. Do you know anybody right now that wants to buy or sell a home? Cool. Thanks, but See you later. Right. right. It just doesn't do anything. So if you're going to do it, and you're going to spend an extra four, eight, ten hours a week, put it into this. Put it into impactful conversations with people that know, like, and trust you. Because if you're impactful to them, they will probably allow you to be impactful to other people they know. 100%. Go into Ford. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but Ford is where you start. It's about reconnecting and building rapport with them. True? Like, that's where the sale is made. Like, when I'm meeting with a client for 30 minutes, it's 20 minutes of rapport and maybe 5 to 10 minutes of tactics. Like, how long does it take to go over three monthly payments and cash-to-close options? Not very long. So, you really, it's about the rapport. And I think for a lot of us, especially me, like, I'm a driver, so I like to get through it, get through it, get through it. These are not going to be those type of phone calls. These are, you're going to need to block off. If you made 50 calls per week and made these telephone calls, is it going to generate your folks' leads? Yeah. Now, here's the best one. Of all the things, when we talk about occupation, and let's say it's someone you haven't seen since high school, but like, hey, what are you doing? What's up? What are you doing for, for work? As soon as you open up that conversation, what are they going to ask you? Yes. And then after you tell them you're a real estate agent, then what's the next question they're going to ask? Oh my gosh. So they're, they're literally just going to walk into it. Like, listen, and the other thing is, is if they know you're a real estate, like if I hire a plumber and the plumber comes in the house, do I get pissed off that he's in the house plumbing? 
something. They're like, what are you doing here? Well, get away from my toilet. Never. <laughs> we, like, this is how the guy feeds his family. And so we're salespeople. That's what we do. It should not offend most people. And if it offends them, those aren't my clients. I'm there to feed my family and put a roof over their head. Everybody else here for the same reason? Perfect. That's 100% of the population. Shelter, food. So that should take some of the fear out of it when making this phone call, but not going into it just automatically going, I need like I need a lead or I'm going to get business out of it. Reconnect with them. And then when you have these connections or you're leaving impactful messages so that they call you back, the apology call makes like is the best thing ever. Hey, it's JJ. I haven't called you in 10 years because I am a really bad friend. And I just wanted to reconnect with you because we used to smoke a ton of weed in high school and I had a blast. Okay? Whatever that conversation sounds like. Now, don't call me back because I still don't do that again. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Rick's, Rick does this stuff on stage all the time. But something to call him back. Maybe you don't tell him you stop. Maybe he calls back. He's like, hey, you got any weed? You're like, oh, I got you on the phone. Whatever it takes to get them to call back. And then hopefully he doesn't hang up when you tell him I don't do that anymore. But leaving impactful messages is super key. Making the phone calls, doing 50 a month, adding this in, in there with the whole goal of connecting with these people and keeping in mind that you're going to add them to your VIP list that we'll talk about a little bit later. Another thing you guys can add just as a simple little tactic is um, there, there's an app called Hit 'em Up, if you guys are aware of it, and it allows you to send text to multiple people. And what I found is, is my biggest struggle is my call time may not be their answer time. So... Barrett Raven, if you're in the room, um, that's this is who I got it from. And that's why I love the core is because all the information is shared and you just yeah. take the best practices. But you can text out your 15-person list and say, hey, you know, give me a heads up when you've got a few minutes to talk. And the individual doesn't see a group text, just sees an individual text from you. And this is how he got me to respond to his Monday VIPs is all of a sudden he started texting me, and I was like, dude, that's pretty smart. And he's like, yeah, I sent it out early in the morning, and then just throughout the day, all of my calls say, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. So you you not just knock on the door, but they know who's there, they're, they're ready to answer, and, and it just increases engagement. So little tips like that can make an 8- to 10-hour day uh, extremely more productive than not. Yeah, 100%. Right, everyone wrote that app down if you don't have it. It's genius, and it catches me all the time. It, like, I feel special immediately. I was like, oh, man, this is like a personal video. And then I see it comes from Mike McCormick, who's the one that taught me about it, and I was like, ah, it's from Mike. And, I, and I'll text him back. I'm like, you get me every time, buddy. But it's like something like, hey, I'm down here at the harbor. I just wanted to send this. Say, what's up? So it's very ambiguous, but then people will text back, and then that starts the conversation. Or, hey, remember when we used to hang out here a long time ago? So I even had uh, challenged this realtor. He's new in the business. So the, love, the one thing that I love about this are the people that are new in the real estate business that have their spark in the eye. So my number one agent, she and I have worked together nine years. She's the number one Redfin real estate agent in the nation and has been for eight years. She's 85% referral. So she, she gets stuff from them, but whichever one she decides to take, she's really, really good. When I first met her, she had zero houses. So you can look up her number, but she had that sparkle in her eye. You know, that, that it factor, like when you look at a loan officer and you know, like, oh, this isn't good. This is my competitor, right? That look in their eye. And I think these tactics, when you're giving it to them, and you've got to give it to them at small doses and spread it out over small doses so that it's not too much for them to take. 
Like all of us in the core, we can take a lot of tactics, right? Like just these past couple hours, and we're already going to implement a lot of these things. But you have to slowly walk them because the slower you walk them through it and the more attainable you make it and the more you teach them exactly what to do and when to do it. Chad did an amazing job today, buddy, on showing us exactly what to do and when to do it. We have to do that with our agents because that increases the chance that they're going to do it, which increases the leads. And then when they start having these phone calls, they're like, oh, my gosh, that worked. And I'll be like, yeah, because you did the work. And then it encourages them to do the work more. That's always the biggest struggle. I would agree with you. And uh, KP said something that was very powerful because real estate agents have a tendency to take from lenders um, little tips, little tactics. Uh, I did it from the lady that brought me in here. And we have a tendency to pretend that we came up with it and never go back to the lender that helped us out in the first place and say thank you very much. Um, and KP had a very, very, it was a real conversation about somebody saying, hey, my business blew up because you helped me and I really appreciate it. So if you're a real estate agent in this room and you have a lender that's been helping you out, you should go back and tell them you appreciate it. Yes, they help your competitors also, but we don't worry about our competitors. We worry about ourselves, our clients, and our business. Fair? Yep. So number one is reconnecting. There are so many. That's number one, reconnecting. Like, does it make sense to go through a 300 apartment building, drop a bunch of mailers, spend a bunch of money, or should you just call the 1,500 people that know, like, and trust you and just eat the frog, have a conversation, say I'm sorry? And then the one of the best questions on the planet you can ask them. So I'm just curious, man. If you could, If you had a dream home today, what would it look like? If you had a dream home today, what would it look like? Everyone has that in their mind. Rick had it in his mind. Phil found it. Like, literally got that man to buy the most expensive property. I thought hell froze over when he bought that property. And he still every day is like, man, I don't know if I should get this thing. And you're like, dude, it was a good decision. But it's really listening to them and their needs. The second is reconnecting. After you reconnect, what do you need to do? It is following up, how to stay connected with them. So number two, excuse me, is staying connected with them. So once you get them back, how many times have we had like a really great conversation and you're like, oh, that was so awesome, especially us lenders with realtors. Like, oh, that listing agent calls, she's for sure booking a coffee appointment. And then it's like, that's it. It's really staying connected. And it's having systems and processes to do that. So, Mike, I'd love to know from you, what are some of the things that you do when you're reconnecting with people? What are some of those things that you suggest they teach your agents to stay connected going forward? So let's assume past client from two years back, three years back, we haven't spoken. Yep. Um, the initial conversation is going to be, hey, did you make the changes that you talked about when you originally bought the home? So did you get the pool? Did you add the room? Did you increase the garage? Things like that. So I'm interested in what has happened since we last spoke. And the conversation when they tell me, oh, I got a divorce and my ex-husband's now selling real estate and... That's just a little weird, but they will share with me everything that's going on in their life, which allows me to, to get a little bit deeper. So tell, tell me where you are now. I know where you were. What are those changes? How do they affect you? Are you still in the same job? Um, what's good? I have a tendency to want to want to invite people to things. So if I like to them, then it's, hey, I've got a happy hour coming up in June. Are you down for that? I'll add you to the list, things like that. It also gives me a really good chance to update my all about you. Because if you've purchased a home from me in the last 10 years, uh, you get two pieces of mail from me every month. 
and one of them is very um, specific, and, and it's me talking, but it's not me listening. So this is the time where I can think, oh, I, got my, I get your mails every, every, you know, okay, I know you do, but that's okay. Um, and it's, it's simply a matter of asking a few questions, reconnecting, and then it always goes back to, damn, you made a good decision back then. I'm glad you didn't buy Wesley Lane. Because you bought Cricket Avenue, and Cricket Avenue is appreciated way more. Like, do you know how much you're sitting on right now? And yes, they probably do. Well, Zillow says it's this. Oh, yeah, well, I can get that in like five minutes. In fact, we can get multiple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you this question. With all that equity in the home, what would you do if the market were to shift? How would that affect you? And that has been honestly the most impactful conversation that I've had over the last 45, 60 days, because what I'm really asking you is, if the market has a downturn, does that affect you negatively um, with your wealth accumulator? Because really, all I want is for you at the end of the day to, to be sound financially. And if you tell me, hey, look, you know, we took out a second mortgage and paid off the kids' medical bills and things like that, and I'm not in a position to have a downturn hit us right now, then I can come in and say, okay, so let's protect you. What, what can we do? What changes can we make? Um, are you open to selling your home? Are you open to, you know, renting? Things like that. And when those conversations happen, people let their guard down and they talk real. Right, so, so all it does is simply reinforce the relationship aspect of it. Then it is a, do you know anybody else that is worried about what's going on in the market that I could help? 100%. Everyone write that question down. If the market were to change, how would that affect so what's the benefit your to current my situation? How would that affect your current situation? And obviously, he's trying to go to, he's trying to go, well, I don't know, I'd probably have to list my house. Or if we went into a recession, I might have to list my house. He's fishing and planting seeds of thought. The other thing that's so important to making sure that you're staying connected with them is they get their advice from the media and from the internet. And right now, people have fear. Is the internet and media the best place to go if you're afraid? <laughs> it is awful. It is like the worst place ever to go. And so uh, I've had acute anxiety for decades. So watching the news for me is like a self-fulfilling nightmare prophecy. I turn it on, heart starts beating, I have to take pills, I got to call, go to the ambulance. Like, it's horrific. So keep in mind, when you're connecting with them, you're offering them an alternative to information from an expert that cares about you, that you know, like, and trust. That's the key here. So when you're calling them, the real estate agents have to believe that by working with them, without working with them, they're going to get screwed. They have to know that and feel that. That was something that Hunter, that literally it was like changed the way I thought about my business. Like, my clients don't work with me. I'm afraid they're going to get screwed. And when they come with that mindset, then the people don't know how much or care how much you know until they know how much you care. Following back up with them and showing you care and having these conversations. The other, I think, is with the lunch and learns and happy hours, buddy. Like, those are my favorite. If you do two of these a month as a realtor, then that's four phone calls. 
My first phone call is, hey, you have to come to my happy hour. You have to come to my lunch, lunch and learn. This is what it's about. We're going to talk about the market, etc. Right? Then the second one is, it's going to be, thank you so much for coming. What was your biggest takeaway? I'd love to sit down and talk to you more about it. Or FOMO, which was, hey, we really missed you. You missed it. We had a packed room. Or if it's someone that RSVP'd and didn't show up, we're like, man, your seat was there. Your food got cold. I hope it was an emergency, but I can't wait to see it the next one. So I do the guilt clothes for the next one. So when I call them, go, I know you missed the last one, but this time I'm not going to let your food get cold. You're going to show up, right? So it gives you these four opportunities per month to just call them for that. Some people are going to come all the time. Some people are going to come every month. Some people are going to be new people. But it's the same thing that we do in our business. But the realtor should be doing these events. And watching Phil do it, like, because I was in Phil's market, so I got to watch him do a lot of this stuff personally. And I went to his happy hour, and there were 75 to 100 people there. Everyone got two drink tickets. There's a bunch of appetizers. And there was everyone from plumbers to roofers, all your VIPs. It, it was like he does exactly what he needs to do and what you do and all our agents need to do, too. Well, and that's an excellent point, too, is because what I, what I will tell you will happen in the next three to six months is in your market, if you start to see a slowdown, then those happy hours that you do with real estate agents where they can combine and, and have a mastermind, because right now, real estate agents nationwide are freaking out. There's 4,000 of them in my market, and there's 900 transactions, not always with an agent on both sides. So there's less than 50% deals to agents. That means more than half of my competitors are not eating, and I'm taking 17 plates of food away from them, so I'm hurting 34. Uh, They will get to the point where they want to commiserate and they want to problem solve. So they want to be around like-minded people, so you become the connector of agents, and there is nothing nicer than submitting an offer on a listing when you're typically a listing agent. But the listing agent is a really good friend of yours because you met him at, at JJ's happy hour six months ago. And then I can't say smoke weed, but <clears throat> I already did it. I mean, <laughs> no, but, but what happens is when when people are in a state of fear and anxiety, then the people that they see as their enemy, um, they lower the guard because they'll accept help anywhere they can. And. Sometimes it is not the letter that was written, the video that was sent by the lender, the amount of the purchase price. Sometimes it is the relationship of the agent that wrote the offer with the relationship of the listing agent. And those two agreeing, we are getting this done, it's going to happen, and that's what wins the deal. And sometimes those relationships either started in a transaction, which is why you guys should be doing Tuesday update calls on the listing agent for every time your buyer goes into contract because that's how the girl that brought me here ended up getting me to have coffee with her. But you be the connector and help the agents help themselves by becoming friends. So that's number one. Number two is <clears throat> you had another, another bit of the conversation earlier about – Hey, listen, I don't know if you know this, but there are now X number of people in this business doing what I do. And there's probably a pretty good chance that one of your friends, one of your relatives, a family member's friend or relative now does what I have been doing for 17 years. And I helped you seven years ago when you purchased the home. And now you're thinking about selling and you're going to let them practice on you in a market that is shifting. Hmm. In the words of Rick Ruby, you can cross your fingers and hope and pray 
that they do a good job, or you can let me take the reins. I'm a better negotiator, and my team provides a better level of service. We can handle it. Or, by all means, let the one that's, that's done two transactions in the last eight months handle your $950,000 house. Good luck to you. Yeah. Now, the one thing I've learned in, in teaching the, the, this particular class about Sphere is when I talk about re, uh, staying connected, most agents do not have a CRM. They just don't, or they don't use the CRM, or the CRM isn't doing what it's supposed to do. A CRM is supposed to be an organized place where you can organize your clients, and then it gives you the ability to communicate to them through technology so you can get them on the phone, so you get them on the phone, so you can get face-to-face. True story? That's the whole point. All I want to do is get face-to-face with you. So one of the things that you really could imagine if you found and worked a very simple, very simple CRM that you knew was super user-friendly, and you taught them how to do it and offered to show them in the class, bring your laptop, how to get it set up and put in their database into their laptop, like into the CRM itself. Game changer, like I, you just have to walk them through it and in doing so, it's a game changer. And then whatever CRM that you feel most comfortable with or, you know, I know Phil's got a great one, top producer. It doesn't matter which one it is. It just matters that you use it. I lived off Excel spreadsheets for about, I don't know, 20 years. It worked really, really well for a certain period of time. So teaching them how to get it in there and then making sure that they have the follow-up systems, the emails, the text messages, so that when they go in there, it drips for them is a big key to staying connected. Because a lot of times people aren't going to want to make the calls, but they got to do both. They got to make the calls. They've got to get a system that, that organizes all these people, especially when you re-spark a relationship like that. And then you have to be able to have the events and all of these things need to come together in the core way to being able to stay connected. And then the last one that's most important is getting referrals by staying connected. By far. That's the gold, right? Yep. Yep. So So what are some things that you do to get referrals? And I'll share some of the things that that we do to get referrals from our past clients as well. So, So all of my team members are trained on trigger words when they ask, how is the transaction going? How was this? As soon as something positive is there, they say, hey, that's great. Uh, here's the problem. JJ, you just closed on the house. How was the experience? Oh, it was fantastic. My you team guys... treated you okay, took, took great care of you. Amazing. How'd you like the whiskey? The whiskey was fantastic. Good I drank stuff. it all last night. That's all right. I'll bring, yeah. you another, I'll bring you another bottle. We'll share one. That'd be hey, great. Listen, here's the deal. I, I think of my business as a bus. And everybody has a seat on that bus. My, my team members all, you know, I'm the driver and everybody has a spot. And then we have spots for clients back there. Some of them are in escrow. Some of them are about to go into escrow. They're looking and their home's about to go on the market. When you left the bus, you left an empty seat. And I need somebody to fill that seat. So I really enjoyed working with you. My team raves about you. We would like somebody that is very similar to you. Now, I'm guessing... That you, with your circle of friends, might have somebody that is similar to you that I might get along with, my team might love on, that might be looking to buy or sell a home. Can you think of anybody that's thinking about making a move in the next two months? I do. I do, for sure. You know, but they, if they're like me, they get car sick. Do they have to go on the bus, or can I just give you the referral? You can get on my shoulders. All right, perfect. Great so, ask. So that's it. Yeah. That, that, that's really it is. I have a business that... that 
I don't like to pay for leads for people that, that don't trust me, that don't know me, that want me to prove my worth, and then worst of all, want to beat me up on my commission because they don't see the value. They commoditize me, and I don't want to be commoditized. I like to be objectified every once in a while by the right person, but I don't want to be commoditized. It was a joke. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the day, though, what I really want, I mean, honestly, and I, I think what all you want, is I want to spend my day working with, connecting with, and talking to people that I enjoy spending time with, right? Pe- people, so my VIPs, people that tend to be like my friends, um, I think of it as a game of there are hundreds of friends that I have not yet met. And I haven't been introduced, and I didn't ask for it. So I simply ask that you bring me another. I, I want two people ultimately, and then I want them to bring me two people, and then so on and so forth. So on and so forth. So what we do at our client parties and our leveraged events. This is when I shared this with my realtors, and they implemented this system. They they crush it. And then once they start getting, like they will get a boatload of leads from this. And you guys as lenders will look really, really, really good. And then they will keep doing it and you won't get any of the credit, but you get the pre-approval. So that's all I care about is the cash. So when we do leveraged events uh, and the realtors do leveraged events as far as the client parties. So you have client parties, you have, they have different uh, gift baskets out. So there's raffles, there's bikes, there's gift baskets, there's Amazon gift cards. They have all of these things. Everyone that shows up to, let's say the movie theater, we do this at the movie theater in summertime, everyone gets a raffle ticket. But for every referral that you give us, we give you 10 raffle tickets. And so it sparks the people. They're like, 10 raffle tickets? Yeah, we just need the name of one person you care about that owns a home and one person that you care about that rents a home. And just make sure that, you know, we're going to call you and follow up that you do a connection so a warm handoff to us so they don't think we're a vacuum salesman. When they do this, they walk away. They get, Realtors do better at client parties than I do, honestly. They just for whatever reason, I guess they're high eyes. I'm a high D. I'm not as fun to be around. But they get like 100, 200 people at these parties, and they do this. They walk away. My channel accounts all walk away with 40 and 50 leads, and they're booking literally 10 and 20 appointments after every single one, and they're doing two to three client appreciation parties a year. That is a game changer. If they're not doing that at all and you teach them that trick, and the cool thing is, is who's going to sponsor most of the prizes? All the lenders, title, escrow, roofers, home inspectors, all of those people. So it's, a, it's such a win-win and a game changer in my business to use this. And again, we talk about creating inventory. It all starts with doing the work, then creating the leads, and then having the conversations and he's giving some really great scripts on what to say to trigger them to think about listing their house. To trigger them about, hey, if we go into a recession, how would that change your situation? And making sure, though, that you're teaching them, and this is a hard one, teaching them to share pain. Because if you're going to expect pain back, then you need to be able to share some pain as well. Like, if 08 and 09 were really hard for you, then go back and tell them about how 08 and 09 was really hard for you, and you've committed yourself to being a realtor to make sure that that doesn't happen to any of your clients ever again. I lost my house, we lost everything, and I'm committed to making sure that none of my clients ever have to go through that. So if something like that happened again, I want to be that person, how would that change your current situation? And however they answer, which is like the most genius takeaway I took from the whole thing, buddy. I'm going to re- rinse and repeat that all day long. I love it. Um, I use the statement, and I, I don't do it in public, and this is being recorded, so it's probably not smart that I say it right here. Um, but it is a very truthful statement, and that is I was really good at short sales. 
and I don't want to be really good at short sales again. Ooh. Now, good one. now, now, real quick, and we're gonna we're gonna open up for Q and A because we know we've and, and some table work because we kept you guys quiet. But you, JJ, you have a form. Do you want to? Yeah. Can I? Can I? I'm gonna give them a little. I'm not good at drawing. Drawing. So has anyone seen this form? I'm going to have it emailed. I pulled it out on one of my classes. I was like, I can't believe I didn't put this in the book. The center of influence form. Have you guys ever seen this form? All right, awesome. So I'm going to make sure that you guys all get it emailed uh, out to you. So in the middle of the circle, center of influence is his client name. On the outside, at the top, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five. There's 12 spots around. One is your boss, your association. So that would be alumni or professor. Recent life event, retirement, inheritance, baby. Business owners you know, professionals you know, people you do business with, most successful people you know, your neighbors, your relatives, members of an organization, and your closest friends and associates that, that you work with. Does that cover like everything? So when Pretend you're, there's a lot more boxes. Yeah, there's more boxes. And it says a lot more things. But if you had a goal as a realtor and you're reconnecting with people and you're tactical about it, I like tactics. I like to like my, my whole, like I love the touchy-feely stuff, but I'm just, I'm more tactical. And your tactic is to fill this out as you're reconnecting with them, asking open-ended questions because you're really interested, writing it down and repeating it back to them, which is the key to sounding interested. I need that all the time then is this going to be a game changer once you have all of this information? And when you, when you bring it up two, three weeks later and you go, hey, so how's your boss, Jerry? Are you still working there? Yeah. Are you still good friends with him? Awesome. Do you think he'd want to learn a little bit more about the market? And if this were to change, how would it affect his business and his company? And if you're running into old friends, like... The cool thing is, like, I have a lot of friends that are probably not really great. Like, they're not buying houses anytime soon. Their housing is, has something to do with federal-provided housing, if that makes sense. But <laughs> even when you run into these people, they have parents that, you know, own homes. You have to always be thinking about the connector. Totally. 100%. So here's, I want to do, I want to do the role play. I think this is going to be a big role play because you guys are going to have to, role playing for me, all my LPs, everyone has to role play 15 minutes every single morning to get the cobwebs off. The realtor should be doing the same thing. So I want you guys to turn to the person to the right or to the right of you and do a role play about the call on reconnecting. Because I think that's the fear on the call of reconnecting. Bring it back a little bit. So... First off, I don't know. I've done a lot of these things. We do them all the time. Did you hear the rumble in the room? The amount of energy that took. Like, that was, that was pretty special. It was the one thing that kind of took me off guard, gave me chills a little bit, was just the reconnection conversation was probably the most, and I'm seeing people, and people are engaged, and they're asking questions, right? Like, because if someone were reconnecting with you, like, how cool is that? Reconnecting with someone from high school. It's one of the, the things on my VIP list when I reconnect with friends from high school um, that, can, that I don't have to call collect, that when I have these conversations, like, they're just like, man, you're really good at staying connected with all of us. And I'm like, well, it's a system, it's a process, but, like, you really mean something to me, and, and that's why I make the call. And not to mention, I'd be really pissed off if they used another lender, um, but if, if I were calling them, but if I'm not calling them, they're going to use somebody else. 
True story. And then the more of these people you start calling and reconnecting and finding out they use somebody else, and you just had this very same conversation, will it happen again? No, they're done. Like they'll never, they're gonna be like, holy moly, like that was such a great, engaging conversation. Gavin, what was your biggest takeaway on doing that? On either side, who were you? Were you the, the... Uh, just, just the engagement, how easy it is, right? It's just like, why are we not doing this? Um, can I add a couple things? Yeah, please. So on Ford, one thing I've been doing on these calls is... Here, yeah, I got you. So this is something he's adding on Ford. So on Ford, family, occupation, recreation, dream, bring the O back to origin. Ah. So when they talk about, hey, tell me about your family. Well, hey, how did you meet your wife? Bringing it back to origin, right? Then you get to occupancy. How long have you been there? When did you start? Like, what keeps you there? Recreation. How did you get into that? So as you're asking more questions, bringing it back to the origin every time, you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper. Dude, I remember you telling me that. Everyone write that down. O also stands for origin. Where did it start from? Where did it come from? Going back, going deeper. It all started with my, my mom when I was a little kid. She was so mean to me, right? And you're just like, next thing you know, you're like, you're going deep, right? Really fast before you know it. Great one. Uh, Michael, how about you, buddy? What was your biggest takeaway? Fernet. Oh, for me, it's just, you know, following on sport, going back to people I haven't uh, talked in a long time. And uh, one, apologize. And two, honor. You're going deeper in relationships. Yeah. Yeah, lots of honor. I think here's the what, what's crazy about this exercise is most of the lenders in this room were high D's. Most realtors, we we're talking about this, they're high I's. So this is like right up their alley. But the reason they have a fear of doing it is the fear of rejection. So as much as that, once they get engaged and start having those conversations, they're going to be like, this is amazing. I can do this all the time. But once it's a weird conversation, then they have a hard time with that. So I think giving them the same tactic that we had, which is, hey, call like five or ten people you know that are going to answer and that you haven't talked to and you're going to have a really good, engaging conversation before you start calling some of the older ones and let them know, go, hey, it's not personal. Like, it's not personal at all. If they think it's personal because you're reconnecting with them, that's not someone that you want to reconnect with. If they don't want to be reconnected, that's okay. True story. But if you've got a thousand people in your phone and you can reconnect with 200 of them and they can refer you to another 200 people, I mean, just doing that exercise of reconnecting and then sharing information that's not on the internet, not fear-based, but comforting, guiding, helping them, and then having trigger questions to trigger them to list or buy something new is the key. I love that. Yeah, yeah the, the trigger part, right? And another thing you guys can do um, just to get you going on it is everybody has a, I'm assuming everybody has an iPhone, except for those of you that have the green text things. But, okay, it's so easy. Oh, calm down. Now all of a sudden I can talk about rates all day, but I can't talk about iPhone versus nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so if you have a favorites list, and, and you have a fear of making a phone call, get a buddy. Get somebody in your social circle and say, hey, listen, I, for work, I have to call people and I need to hype myself up. Can you be my hype person? Can I call you if I just got off a phone where somebody said, look, I didn't like the transaction three years ago. Your team sucked. You cost me $5,000. Don't ever call me again. Cool. Hey, JJ, it's Mike. How's it going? Right? So, so I need somebody to fall back on and give me the, the, I need a hype person. 
Sometimes it's me in the mirror, yes. Sometimes it's my wife, yes. You're going to do great today. And I, I'm going to go get a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to the, to the phone. I've got it all set up. And then my list is there and my notes are there. And I'm like, all right. So, and then I'm like, hmm, the Niners play the Jets tonight. And it's a six and a half point line. Let's look at that really quick. And then the phone list is like, hey, come back over here. But here's, here is the, the honest to God's truth. Is, sorry, I squirrel very easily. Is if I helped you purchase a home before today, and since the time I started selling real estate in 2005, if, if you've owned it continuously, you've made money. The, old, the longer you've held it, the more money you've made. At some point in time, and it's either maybe it's through divorce, through death, or we're going to make a change and move because some take forever to sell. Some are like every two years, we're capital gains. This is it. If I don't maintain that relationship, I have no right to be upset that they did not come back to me. Right? Fair enough? So what I choose is, do I want to play in the arena with someone who I have already gone to battle with? Or do I want to sit quietly and hope that if they make a change, they call me? And I, I would rather make the call and say, hey, I just want to make sure, number one, you're not making any plans to, to leave. You're, the house is good. Everything's great. You made a great investment. Good for you. If the market really takes a turn, you want me to call you? No? Cool. You're fine. No worries. The kids are going to get the house anyway. We don't care. And yes, I have heard that. That is fine. Listen, I'm still your real estate agent. Yes? Yes. Cool. I would like to be your friend's real estate agent too. Do you have any friends that need a real estate agent that has 17 years of experience, close 242 transactions, slash blah, 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 blah. I don't say that I'm a top producer, but I will literally crush you with my numbers if I'm given the opportunity, but not in an egotistical way. Do you want the guy that's performed 800 open heart surgeries and not lost a, cl- a patient, or do you want the one that just came out of medical school? Uh, it depends on my deductible. That's true. <laughs> Shopping rates. <laughs> uh, all right. I love it. So let's recap, right? Uh, so sphere of influence, topic one. We talked about reconnecting, staying connecting, and getting referrals. Now, part two is something he's talked a little bit about, which is VIPs. This, some, this is something that fascinates me. When we taught VIPs, when we're doing it as lenders, we're going to talk about how to generate them repeat referral accounts. That's when I look at VIPs. And we're talking divorce attorneys. Orange County, divorce rate is 75%. So if you've ever watched Orange County Housewives, it'll make absolute perfect sense as to why that is the case. And I'm glad my wife and I did not grow up that same way because it keeps us very connected. But that's the truth. So divorce attorneys, probate attorneys, CPAs, divorce, uh, all of these different uh, areas where they can create channel accounts, this is where the VIP list matters. And so one of the things that I wanted to kind of dive deeper in, especially with having Mike here, is how to identify a VIP, how to get that VIP and plug them in. I mean, you hear it. If you talk to Kendra or Dayton or anything, their VIP list, how much of a VIP list was your business last year? 43%. 
So if you, like it's almost 50% for everyone roughly that I talk to that's a core realtor comes from this VIP list, which isn't much different than our realtor list that we're calling. So it's got to be, if, if it's 50% of Wales lists that are business, we need to teach them how to go get it because we don't have the fear of rejection as drivers as much as eyes. Do you see? That is our benefit, is as drivers, we can take rejection all day long. You know how much rejection I had to take before Kimberly said yes? We were talking about this, like Chad and I was like, man, we married up, man. We don't deserve it. I was like, I deserve it. I had to close hard for that deal, for sure. So, so, but we've got to let them, like, they have a harder time with it. And it's okay, because their superpower is that personality and that likability, but their kryptonite is the fear of rejection and failure. True story about ICE. So this is why we have to walk them step by step. So when you're going after what does your VIP list look like, Mike? Who are the people on it? And how do you tack? Like when you're thinking of your VIP list and who's on it, giving us some of those people, what does it sound like to go and add them and get them? Okay, so my VIP list has four lenders on it. Um, so they are a crucial part of my business, which is why I automatically discount anybody that uses a dialer to try to set an appointment with me in my market as a lender. So if you are paying a dialer to set an appointment for you, I would suggest you spend the money somewhere else. Um, I have predominantly business people, so owners of small businesses, uh, CPAs, uh, two attorneys, and two accountants. Well, CPAs, accounts, same thing. Um, and then three financial advisors, one of which just took me to uh, the master's last week, two weeks ago. So what I have found is that the, the deals, the transactions are a great offset for, for the relationship. But the relationship ultimately is, is where I find the joy. And when I say I like to, I like to live life with my business partners, that's what we do. I was doing happy hours for VIPs. Um, it's kind of morphed into happy hours for past clients. Um, I have some of my RP2s. They have to bring their, one or two of their VIPs. Um, my happy hours have turned into just a, a, a large group of people getting to know each other. And, and that's really it. And, and it's me being the connector of, of people that have actually turned into friends and then they've gone on and formed their own relationships um, within their own businesses. But the trick to the VIP is simply telling them that they're very important. And that's probably the hardest thing to do is to tell somebody, look, I really appreciate you adding to my business and what you bring. I love, I, I just love spending time with you. I want to spend more time with you. Um, I'm going to add you to my VIP list. That means I'm going to call you once a month. I'm going to invite you to a happy hour once a month. I'm going to do a Christmas party, and then we also do um, either 4th of July or Easter, somewhere in there. So I'm going to have events that I'm going to ask you to come to. Now, at the same time, all I ask is that if you know of somebody that wants to buy or sell a home, you refer them over to me. And they go, oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's what I get. The other thing I do besides the happy hours and the calls and the, those events is I'll pick two of them and their spouse. So four people to three of them and their spouse. So between six and eight people at my house every two weeks. So twice a month we have dinner and it can be a potluck where somebody brings stuff over or I'll cook. If it's Christmas time, we had, we had two Fridays where we did 24 on one and we did 30 on another. And then we just had it catered because if I'm cooking the whole time, which I love to cook, 
Um, and I love to eat with people, and I love to share, and I love to talk, and I love to talk about the real stuff. And that, to me, has been more like, – like if you did nothing else – if you just said, I'm going to have a VIP group, I'm going to let you know you're a VIP of mine, and all I'm going to do is invite you over to my house once every three months, and you are going to have food with me and my, my wife, my spouse, my partner, and a couple of others, are you okay with that? People are like, yeah, because going back, COVID sucked the relational part of life away from everyone. So in my mind, I've got two years of, hey, let's get together and have a drink, have some food, um, share stories, share pain. And that's when, I mean, I've got people who are like, oh my God, you had JJ, remember I met him, what's his number? Because I need a, I need a loan, you know, probably not the best of examples because there's more than one lender in the room, but um, at my house. But th- that's what happens is one says, I was at your place, and there was another guy there. I need his number because he has a business that I need right now. And ultimately, all this is, if you're a real estate agent or you're a lender, I don't care. The way you dominate your market is you are visible and you are seen. You make a difference in your community, and you give more than you take. If you can do those three things on a massive scale, which means social media, having as many contacts as you can, putting out a positive message, if you can do that at scale, you can, do, you can beat anybody at the game. And in my case, it's selling homes. Is that fair? Fair. Okay. So tactically, let them know they're very important to you. Let them know why. So like Rick, Rick is on my VIP list. Rick gets a call and Rick wants to talk every time I call him, right? Or he says, give me something you're complaining about that I can fix or give me something you're celebrating. And I say, no, I I just want to call you and tell you when I met you, I was making gross 270 a year and now I'm grossing 2.8 million a year. You have effectively changed my life. In 10 years, you are a very important person to me. I truly appreciate you, which is really hard for him to hear. And then in that moment of silence, I say, but listen, if you know anybody that wants to buy or sell a home in Reno, Nevada, I would love to take great care of them. And then he goes, okay, good VIP call. That's it. So that everyone make sure, like, and this is this is something that's hard, I think, for people. It was hard for me, at least, uh, because, uh, I don't know, I could share transparency, but sharing my feelings, I'm like, feelings, ooh. But, like, letting them know that they're a VIP. Like, hey, you're a super, you're a very important person, and here's why. That, that was probably one of the biggest tactics, and really changed those phone calls for me. Even though it was weird to do it, it changes the relationship. Because do you know what most people aren't doing? They're not calling people that are really close to them and letting them know that they really care about them. When you're doing that, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. Now, I love capitalism like Rick. So then I think to myself, well, how do we capitalize? And so I took the three you wrote down, and I'm going to share some some tactics that I uh, have taught to the realtors uh, when it comes to these. So small business people. Small business people, let's say their business is anywhere from 10 to 25 employees setting up quarterly lunch and learns at the business. They go, they bring in, they provide the lunch, and they talk about a different tactic. So maybe they're talking about the market. Maybe they're talking about VRBOs. Maybe they're talking about second homes. Whatever it is, you come up there four times a year. Now, if they have, let's say, five, six small businesses, and you're doing four lunch and learns per year for these 25 
different people at the company and you, you leave a we need your help form when it's all done in a survey, are they going to generate leads from that? Yes. Big one. The other is CPAs doing the CD call review. So before the tax season starts at the end of the year, CPAs aren't doing a whole lot. It's just like after tax day, they're like literally every airplane is filled with CPAs on its way to Hawaii. That's what they do. So the key with them is timing and having your realtors follow up and say, hey, I just wanted to follow up with Bob. Bob's your CPA and do the triangle of trust. You got to teach him the triangle of trust. Do you trust Bob? Yeah, I trust Bob. Bob trusts me too. We all went through that and go, well, Bob trusts me to make sure I take care of him for life. I want to make sure you have all the tax documents to make sure that he's taking full advantage of all the tax benefits from this recent purchase. Can I come in, bring you a cup of coffee, make sure you have these documents? And it's wide open. And then having your client also call them and give permission. So again, you're not like a vacuum salesman and it warms up that lead for CPAs. Can I interrupt? Yeah, please. Just this yeah. one real quick on the real estate side and on the lender side too. If you have the closing settlement statement, which you should, uh, the last week of December, make a phone call to the client and say, hey, I'm going to send this to you. You're going to need it for your taxes. How's the house? How's everything else? Great. I do this for all my clients. Do you know anybody else? By the way, do you have a CPA? Would you like me to introduce you to one? Oh, yeah. So so there's another, we talk about the all about you form. Let's, uh, that's the one thing I wanted to make sure we touched on because it all comes back to when you're communicating the all about you form and then finding out, do they have a CPA they like on a scale of one to 10? How good are they? If they say it's a five, well, then that's an opportunity to give them to one of your tens. So I, one of the things was like I had this hard like time on getting a group of people to fill out the all about you form. So I'll, I'll get, share a little tactic that I use that worked pretty well. We hold, and you can do this quarterly for your VIPs, we did an all about you form raffle. We gave a, a weekend away at a resort and the, the whole way to enter the raffle was filling out the all about you form. And we did it via text on SurveyMonkey. So you see it like you got to just make it as stupid and easy as possible for them. So it comes up, it's a text, shows it's a raffle, they fill it all out, and you just, just drop down so you click yes or no, and you kind of narrow it down to make it easy for them. And you can get all the information you want, it dumps right into SurveyMonkey, and then you give away a really cool prize to get the information so you can start building those referrals. And the All About You form, you do want to ask CPAs, divorce attorneys, well, CPAs and financial planners. Those are really the two big ones, right? Yep, I would agree with you. So financial planners, that's the hard one that I get, right? Because we're kind of on different sides of the coin. The financial planner, they're like, we want to keep all the money in the market. Right. And one of the things I always thought about is financial planners do like lines of credit. So anyone of you guys build a portfolio, you sooner or later, you use that line of credit to buy everything. You really don't buy, you use that. So one tactic that I always thought about was, you know, we want to make sure they keep as much money with you, but if they had a line of credit and we could utilize that line of credit to help them reposition themselves in the real estate market, and especially if real estate does go down and they have that line of credit available to them to start putting them into VRBOs or second homes or investment properties, we would really like their help to do that. Now, keep in mind, they're getting interest on that line of credit, so it's not bad. You're not selling the assets themselves, and then now you guys are being able to have the financial planner have that conversation about how to leverage their portfolio to buy more real estate and not affect them. So what are some of the conversations that you have with them? So presenting them the wealth accumulator, it has been very helpful because they can see that they have three quarters of the pieces of pie, whereas I only have one. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if 
people utilize a financial planner, they typically have already learned how to save money, or at least they've bought into the, the whole idea of investment and growth. And there is absolutely no way you can have a conversation about wealth building in this country over the last 12 to 13 years and not include real estate in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of them will realize, well, they already know, that real estate should be a certain percentage, whether it's 10 to 15 to 25% of an overall port healthy portfolio. They simply need a partner that cannot just take the buyer's but also bring to them clients. So that's what I do. I have, I've, I've got three. I've got one uh, male, uh, two females, and then the one female is older and she's very um, conservative. And then I have another that tends to work with people that don't have as much money. So if you have over three million, you can go to this one. But if you have less than the younger one and Man, I tell you what, they network. I'm sitting here thinking right now is I could do a lunch and learn for them and bring 20 of them into the room, and we could have a great conversation. I'll bet you I could walk out with five relationships right there. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And, and there, you know, these a lot of these wealth managers, um, they have channel accounts to refer. So last year, uh, Rick wouldn't say this, but I referred more people to Jeff than Rick did last year. I did very, very good. Jeff told me that. He's like, don't repeat that. So this is recorded. Sorry, buddy. And But in, in turn, I got a channel account because it's really hard. Jeff's got a lot of clients. He's got a lot of clients with a lot more money. So, But he introduced me to this guy in L.A. who who's a talent manager. And so the talent manager, who's the guy that controls all of these different band members, celebrities, etc., and that was the connection that I needed to put on my VIP list because of him being on my VIP list, and it created a channel account. So then we start doing the lead singer of the band, then it's the bassist, then it's the guitarist, and you go all the way around. Then he refers us, and we do really well, and bands talk to other bands, and then we go to them, and then we had another one where we're doing one for Snoop Dogg. Like, it, it's one talent manager is a really, really great person, and we don't think of that talent manager stuff, but the wealth managers have massive amounts of those people because they have those connections as well. Yeah, it's that influence, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so can I can I ask that they do table work real yeah. quick and then yep. we'll we'll nail it up? Can you guys just uh, starting with the, the the least amount of hair on your head? Tell the table who you're. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out real quick. Let's go make a decision. Tell the table who your best referring partner is and what they do. That's not a realtor. That's not a realtor. Not a realtor. So, what was the who? Let, let's hear some. Who who do you, who do you got? Who is your biggest referring partner outside realtor? Go for it. Uh, hairdresser. 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 Oh, yeah. Hairdresser. Tattoo artist is great. Like, it's like therapy. You sit there for four hours. They find out everyone who's planning on getting divorced. So this one I heard just uh, when I was working, actually, making calls to past clients. He's, he sells solar. And he's like, I need an agent to refer sol Like, I need an agent to refer leads to. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, if I go out to sell solar and they, I ask the question, will they be in this house for at least three to five years? Genius. That's why I'm talking. But and if they say I'm not going to be in the house, then he says, then you shouldn't get solar because it will not pay you back. Let me refer you to an agent. 
So I have, and here's what's crazy about that to piggyback. This is why Gavin's like Mr. Connector, by the way, like unbelievable connector. The one thing my my channel agent just told me this last week, he got signed on as 1099. He gets $500 per every referral from solar that he gives, and he gets a 1099. It's totally legal for them to do that. So now he's getting income. Ansler and the solar guys, he's already gotten 15 people referred over to him because he's like, a, a, you know, closes a ton of deals. So everyone write that down. That solar was good. Who else? So we had a really good one over here. This one. So mine is there a uh, my pastor. He's one of my top referral accounts, and the clients trust him a lot, and they were com- come referred with a lot of value. That's awesome. I love it, pastor. Definitely trust. Mine is my estate sale company. Old people have to move out of the house. The kids need to sell the house. They refer me a ton of business. Dude, I love this. This is so, and it's all over the place too. This is great. Who else? Yeah, here we go. Divorce attorneys. Yeah, divorce attorneys. You just call them. They don't have anybody. And you just keep calling them, and then they just they just start sending you business. Yeah, you would think more people would call them. <laughs> you would think. Yeah? You guys are making it tough at this table. Uh, banks and credit unions that uh, have turndowns, and I have a bank that doesn't do loans, so they send me their business. Yeah, that's a big one, especially for us lenders, too, but banks' turndowns. My landscaper was my biggest referral account last year because he Ooh. knows three months ahead of time when somebody's getting their garden ready. Ooh, good one. Landscaper. My pest control guy sends me at least five to six a year because when he's in their house, he's just chit-chatting with them. He's super friendly, and he'll be like, oh, why are you guys painting? And they'll just say, oh, we're getting ready to prep our house. We're thinking about selling. And he immediately, I've trained him what to say. He, they come right over to me. Pest control. You guys writing all these down? These are the ideas you need to plant the seeds for your real estate agents because they probably already have the relationships. True? They just haven't capitalized on it yet because the fear of rejection they just have to learn to like the cash more than the rejection like us. And as drivers, we can help them. Go ahead. Who else? My tree guy. You're a tree guy. Cutting Trim. down the trees. Trimming the bushes. I know a big one for me is uh, how many uh, get a ton from escrow people. I live in an escrow state, so third-party escrow state. Here's the deal. Escrows, they'll have 50 to 100 at an escrow company. When I do my Tuesday updates and I call the escrow company or the title company or attorney or whoever it is, are there always deals going sideways? Well, 65%, we already know that. So when I'm calling every single Tuesday, giving them an update because no one else does that, and I'm calling the escrow company, and they go, hey, do you have any deals that are going sideways right now? Because we specialize in rescue loans, and we do it really quickly, and we'd love the opportunity to help. So it's a two-fold here. The escrow company works for the listing agent. So if they're talking and they're like, they call every Tuesday, they give me an update and they make sure that we can't help, that gets back to the listing agent and you look really good. But I have had many escrow companies turn into channel accounts because there are always deals going sideways. And we could take a quick look at it and I could tell you within a few hours whether or not we can do the deal. And so many times we can do the deal for them as well. Awesome. Cool. So that was VIP list. How to identify it, where to find them, how to get them, the value of being a, re- a VIP to them, which is key in letting them know they are VIP. And part three, the last one is professional networking. So how are you the mayor of your town? I do a lot of videos. I do a ton of videos. We got 10 minutes. We're going to go really fast. I do a lot of videos. So every Friday I shoot two videos. Um, I've got a videographer that comes out with me. Uh, we turn them into Instagram Reels. They go everywhere but TikTok, and they're going to start going on TikTok next month. But I interview one charity and one business. 
and I asked the general public who they would like me to talk to. Um, the next thing we're going to do is I'm just going to go and eat with strangers at different restaurants and then cut those down into quick little, tell me about what you do, how'd you get into it, what do you like about it, um, if you could change one thing, what would it be, and here's a review of the restaurant. Yes, ma'am, hold on. Like randomly, this is this is going back to the connection thing, and I have no problem taking a stranger. Like literally, what I'm thinking is picking up people that are waiting for the bus, giving them a hundred bucks for an hour and a half of their time, and then sitting down with them at a restaurant, eating a meal, and having a real conversation that real people would have about life, because people see me and they interpret my life in a certain way, and. The fact of the matter is, and there is no more truthful statement than what you're going to hear right now, is we are all simply humans living in a body, dealing with our own experiences. And my experiences are different than yours, and my perception is different than yours. And the fact of the matter is, is at the end of the day, we're simply beings. And I think we have a we have a problem relating to each other because we want to classify them. You're a female. I'm a male. I'm white. You know, all of these things... We've taken a society and we've just kind of divided us. And, and I thought, I've got enough money now. I can literally just sit with people and have conversations and bring the humanity back into the whole thing. And I thought it would be fun. And I've got a great videographer that could cut it up and, and people would spend 60, 90 seconds watching it. And if I can do that and make a little teeny change in my neighborhood so that people that look at other people at the bus or walking down the street have a little bit more empathy and understanding, then this business that I created is all worth it. Because if it's just for the money, it ain't worth it. Sorry, I, I went it. way too long on that. That was deep, buddy. That was Sorry, really buddy. Deep. Hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. That was good. So let's do some questions, yeah? So I'm going to recap real quick, and then I'll come over to you. Professional networking. So I lived in North Carolina. It was Phil, Phil Puma. Literally, was the mayor of this town. If I couldn't get in a restaurant, I'd just say, true story, Chad, oh, I'm friends with Phil Puma. He's my neighbor. Oh, okay, no problem. Come right on in. Literally, like everywhere you go, everywhere you know, I'd stay where I lived. Phil lived next door. They're like, oh, you live next door to Phil. He's building that house. Is it done yet? I'm like, no, it's still not done. But it's uh, like, but it's being omnipresent. So write that word down. I have found that being omnipresent is the key. And that doesn't mean on a shopping cart, on a mailer. It means omnipresent human interaction wherever you can. So being part of a rotary, being on a BNI group, being part of Chamber of Commerce, being part of the associations, being a part of everything all the time and professional networking because... Are all of those people going to have two, are they going to be your clients? Do they rent? Do they own a house? Yes. 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 So plenty of opportunity. Yep. So they're all there. And if you want to hack for that, find the people that are most influential in your communities and reach out to them and, and say, hey, do you mind if I interview you for five minutes about what your business does? I'll produce the video. I'll give it to you. You can use it on your social media. I'll tag you. Um, questions? Yeah, Mike, you had said that you train your team for trigger words when they're talking with clients for asking for referrals. What are those? Okay, so when we ask how was this, if there's anything positive, then we attach the that's great, we're glad you're happy. Is there anybody else that you know that we can make happy? 
So that's it. We're just looking for the positive side. Now, it also gives us a chance on the, on the negative side. Let's say you weren't happy. It gives me a chance to make that right. And that is, I'm really sorry. What can we do? What other videos do you do? Like, how do you structure that in your week? Mic, no. so you can find my videos at michaelwood775.com, and I'm not lying. That really is a website that I do have. Um, I have I have gone to Instagram. I've gone to Facebook. You know I like Facebook because I'm old. Um, I don't even really do my Instagram, but it is done for me. Um, and I just ask people. Because what happens is that the more you're on social media, the more people, the more you put out, the more you'll find people that like the, your stuff and, and you create a tribe. And then you just go to them and say, hey, people, what do you guys want? Like, literally, what do you want? I have the money to go, to go anywhere or do anything. You may not. Tell me what you want to see and I'll go do it. It's just make it fun. You had one line that I thought was worth this whole time. If the market shifts, how does losing the equity in your home affect you? I mean, game changer, guys. Game changer. Everyone should write that down. But what are the answers you're hearing, and how are you using that answers to get business? Ooh, good question. Ooh, God, that's a good question. Um, Here's here's what I will tell you: the general public, up until a week ago, did not believe it would ever slow down. And we are right now. Where are we? We're June, May. We're in May. So when, when this is broadcast out, it's going to be later on. We can see how that all changes. Um, it is either fearful or that's okay. If it does, it'll just bounce back up again, right? But the way – I shouldn't do this. The, yeah, way, the way you the – way, watch you, – Chad, you know the stock market really well, right? You've been watching it. Big bounce last night, yesterday, close of day. Today, all gone, right? The way you cook a frog, raise your hand if you know how, how you boil a frog. Okay, so that's, that's how you boil a frog. You slowly turn up the temperature, but the increments are so much that it's not really noticeable until it's too late. So my estimation is interest rates are going to hit 7% within the next six weeks, but I would bet money, and nobody's taking me up on it right now, that by October, you're back to 45 5%. That it's all going to be over-exaggeration. This is simply me speculating. I have not been terribly wrong in the past with stuff. But Tesla. I, th- <laughs> I, I think that, that fear is something we haven't necessarily had on the financial side. We've had it on the medical side. But I think it's, it's transporting over. And I think uh, it's a little shock that we need. I think our prices do need to be reset a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it will go back up again. But everything is going to be fine. And that's what I do. I look them in the eye, and I come down like this, like my kids, and I go, it's okay. I got you. And they go, yeah, cool. And, that, and, and it's truthful. You guys mentioned doing um, 10 raffle tickets for every referral at the event uh, when you guys do the client appreciation or whatever. So is that for every referral that they have given you over the last year? Or just Any referral they give me right then and there. They have to give it to me right then and there. Right then and there? Yep. So would it be a good idea to collect those through, I mean, to be able to track those through the year as well so that they can just keep sending those over to get more tickets? No, I want more. I want more new leads from them. So they're there and invited because they're great referring partners. We can give referral gifts to them throughout the year. But that event is to get new leads then and there that they haven't already given us. So that's the point to that. Great question. If I can change your life in two minutes, is that okay? Stop thinking that asking for referrals is selfish on your part. Start making it a game 
and let everybody know that you're going to do it. Um, probably the best CCR receiver in all of the core simply says, my team and I are going, going to ask you for five people that you know that are renting. And we're going to ask you for five people that you know that own homes. And I tell everybody that comes through my doors, my team is programmed to ask you for referrals. It's not, it's not that we're greedy. It's that we're afraid if we don't handle your friends, they're not going to be taken care of at the level that we want them taken care of. And, and make it a game because if you play this little game of I'm going to take really good care of you and I expect a referral from you at some point in time, I don't know, but you never ask for it, then shame on you. Yep. And once you remove it and, and bring it to light and say, hey, here's the game. The game is you find me as many clients as I possibly can, can handle. I bet you can't do it. How many do you think you can give me? Ten? I can take ten. So, you got twenty? So did everyone learn something here that they could take back to the realtors to help them create more inventory? Wait. Then I need your help. So there's going to be a survey when it's all done. If I suck that bad, email me, jj at mazagroup.com, um, and I'll be happy to connect to you with one of the top realtors in the nation to make sure we get an answer. And otherwise, please give us what we earned and deserved, which should be a five if you ask me, but it's up to you. Fair? Thank you. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.lacortraining.com.